This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 313. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Merrister. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, and happy birthday to your wife. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very kind of you. Yeah, definitely. And, and happy birthday to a new little niece of mine as well. So uh, she, she just was born this morning. It's pretty cool. Cool stuff, right? Yeah. We will be announcing today's winner of the uh, weekly giveaway. Uh, those of you that have signed up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Uh, so you have a chance to win this week. It is like a, it's it's an almost $200 weapon mount of light. Uh, it's an Inforce WML. So pretty cool, uh, uh, pretty cool light. Uh, so anyway, somebody's gonna be lucky. There was like 400 some odd of you that joined and signed up for the weekly giveaway. So I'm excited to announce the winner towards the end of today's episode. And uh, yeah, so that'll be a good time. But today's episode is legislative updates. It is the end of the month, fourth Tuesday of the month. Under our new format, we do legislative updates all episode long. So uh, we got quite a few to cover today. Plus, Matthew came up with this. Uh, what do we call it? Do we do we have an official name for it yet? Yeah, last time fire? we called it we called it the two minute warning, but I don't think we stuck to two minutes. So well, <laughs> it, it depends on if you define the whole segment as being two minutes long or not spending more than two minutes on every story. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, fair. Fair. Yeah, we have a bunch though. There's a lot of lot of stuff going on this month. I was gonna say you could call it the Mad Minute, but uh, yeah. Then again, you know, like how do you define that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, folks, you know what? If you have a, re- a suggestion on what we should call the new segment, uh, feel free to suggest. We'll take all considerations. But today we'll be uh, talking about a couple of uh, really important stories to cover, uh, some some big time updates, and there's a bunch a bunch of little I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't say little things, there's a lot of stuff. Um, it's just that we can't cram it all into one episode, so uh, that's why we were doing this new kind of two minute warning whatever thing with thing about Bob. So uh, yeah, anyway, it'll be fun. All right, today's episode made possible by the Vehicle Firearm Tactics Course. We have a special going on this week only. If you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT and use coupon code ROADTRIP2019, so in other words, R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P 2019, right? ROADTRIP2019, that'll, that'll get you Vehicle Firearm Tactics for 20 bucks, either the, either the DVD or the online video course. Because online you can, so you can you can buy the online version, and it's the same video as what you get in the DVD, but you you actually go through a course, and you take a couple little quizzes, and you get a certificate and everything, uh, so uh, that's pretty cool. But it, either way, you get the online version or the DVD for twenty bucks, your choice of those two, and you get a bonus of a free copy of our new ebook, Legal Boundaries by State which is a fantastic book. It's like 200 pages. Uh, It's a summary of laws from state to state to state uh, and also includes a lot of helpful articles and and, and, chapters on, uh, you know, travel across state lines, you know, cross country, interstate, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Air travel, hotels, 
um, vehicle storage. I mean, there's just a lot of kind of anything that relates to travel, being on the road, road tripping, whatever. It's all in that book. It's pretty comprehensive. It's a, it's a great book. It's a $10 value. And you'll, that'll be included for free uh, along with the via, the Vehicle Firearm Tactics uh, DVD or online video course that you purchase using the coupon code again, ROADTRIP2019, and you can buy at concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT. And also the Ammo Supply Warehouse, ammosupplywarehouse.com. Uh, our, our partners over there, good guys. Uh, they're great guys, actually. And they provide awesome customer service. They ship ammo quickly. They ship it for a really good price, too. So Ammo Supply Warehouse, some of the best prices you'll find anywhere online for good quality ammunition. Guardian Nation members save an additional 5%. And, uh, yeah, I know you'll be pleased with your ammo purchase at AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. And uh, the, my, one of my favorite things to buy there is Fiocchi uh, 9mm. So a lot of my... Uh, current training ammunition and stuff is coming from ammo supply warehouse uh and it's fioki because it's just good stuff and buell of course has been on the podcast and he's the uh, marketing uh, director or manager over there at uh, fioki be seeing him in a couple of days in fact we'll be doing something at his booth what day was that i don't remember what day now i think it's friday i think friday at one o'clock so folks if you're going to be at the nra show let me double check that if you're going to be at the NRA show this week in Indianapolis, which you totally should, if you can swing that, you should come. Uh, let me give you a little preview of our uh, calendar there. All right, so I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, this week, we will be uh, quite a few different places. That's loading slow. There we go. Yeah, so at 1 o'clock, uh, 1 p.m. on Friday, this Friday, we'll be at the Fioki booth making an appearance uh, together with Buell. Uh Jerry Mitchellick will be there either right before or right after us and his family. Uh, so that'll be a good time. Uh, we'll be sure to say hello to them. And then uh, we'll be at Caltech at 3 o'clock. We'll be actually doing a podcast uh, recording together with Andrew Branca. And I don't know that that's going to be aired live. So, folks, if, if you're on Facebook and you're wanting to see that, uh, just we've had problems with connectivity and Internet and stuff like that when we're at these shows. So... But uh, we'll we'll definitely be doing an interview together with Andrew Brank. It'll be like his third or fourth appearance on our show. Uh, and that'll be at the Caltech booth at 3 p.m. on Friday. So that'll be fun. And uh, I think Chad Enos is going to sit in on sit in on that with me because he wants to. And it's his booth. So he gets to make that call, I guess. <laughs> uh, Chad's a good dude. We'll be at Honor Defense on Saturday at 10 a.m. And uh, then we'll be at Alien Gear at 11 a.m. Doing a little live show with them. We'll be at, um, well, it's actually for a giveaway. It's, it's not really for us. It's just that we're going to be at uh, Car, Car Arms at uh, 345 on Saturday. Uh, so uh, uh, that'll be fun. And uh, then let's see, what else? Sat Sunday. Here's a preview on Sunday. We'll be at Mossberg at uh, 1045 a.m. And I think that's all we have officially on the calendar as of right now. There'll probably be a few other things that pop up here and there. But that gives you sense. If you're going to be at the NRA show, come see us at one of those locations. A good time to see us would be Friday at 1 um, or Saturday morning at either the uh, uh, Alien Gear show or on our defense. So it'll be a good time. How many guns are you guys going to give away with Alien Gear? None, because <laughs> we don't sell guns. <laughs> 
Yes, we have given away given away guns before, but we're not giving any away this week. Sorry, <laughs> not car today, might FBI. be giving some stuff away. Who knows? I don't know. No, the, the car is doing giveaway. Like I said later that afternoon, and uh, John Teagan will be there. That's why we're gonna, we're going to show up there and, and and offer some support. Um, let's see. Matthew likes the Keltec PMR thirty. That's a cool gun. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Sean says Fiocchi's twelve gauge tracer slugs are awesome. I've never actually shot those. But I don't really have anywhere I can shoot tracers much anymore because it's there's not a good place to do that in Colorado and not start a fire. <laughs> All righty, so let's jump now into our first news. No, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Speaking of Andrew Branca, we're we'll doing an interview <laughs> with him on uh, Friday at three at Caltech. Well, he's got for us here today on the podcast a really great case of the week. So I think we better cue that up. What do you say, Matthew? Absolutely. Here we go. Andrew Breaker with the case of the week. Hey, folks, attorney Andrew Branca here from Law of Self-Defense. Today's Law of Self-Defense post of the day is based on a shooting this past Monday evening in Alaska. The news reports that a homeowner confronted two trespassers. The homeowner was threatened with death by one of them as the two trespassers sat in a car. The homeowner shot and killed the man who threatened him, then emptied his pistol into the second man who lunged towards the rear of the vehicle, killing him as well. The homeowner then called 911, reported what happened, and waited by the end of the driveway for the police to arrive. The result? The homeowner has been arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder. So how's that happen on these facts? That's what we explore in today's Law of Self-Defense post of the day. So, how does a homeowner end up charged with two counts of first-degree murder on these facts? Well, the homeowner violated one of the required elements of a claim of self-defense, the element of imminence. The element of imminence essentially holds that in order for your use of defensive force to be lawful, it must be force necessary to stop an imminent harm to you. That is, the harm you are defending yourself against must either be actually happening, be in progress, or be about to happen right now. As an example, someone saying, I'm going to draw my pistol and shoot you as they reach for their holstered pistol. Conversely, a threat of future harm is insufficient to justify a use of deadly defensive force. If by future harm we mean some prospective future event that's not about to happen right now, that may never actually happen. As an example, someone saying, I'm going to go home, get a gun, come back here and shoot you. For that kind of future perspective threat that may or may not ever actually happen, the law expects you to pursue other options rather than an immediate use of defensive force. You might call the police or seek the assistance of others or leave the area. In many cases of purported self-defense, the evidence on the issue of eminence is often subjective and ambiguous. Was the bad guy drawing back his fist in preparation to strike? Was he moving his hand to his waistband in preparation for presenting a weapon? Sometimes, however, the evidence is crystal clear, and particularly so when it comes right from the defender's own mouth. In this particular case, when asked by police why he shot the first trespasser, the homeowner himself gave up the required element of imminence. As reported in the news story linked above, quote, When asked if there was something specific that caused him to draw his gun, he told troopers it was when the trespasser said he would kill him eventually. 
eventually does not mean right now, and it does not qualify as a sufficiently imminent threat as to justify an immediate use of defensive force, and especially not deadly force that snuffs out two human lives. With imminence lost by this homeowner, so has lost any legal justification for the use of deadly force in killing the two trespassers. And so the homeowner is now facing two charges of first-degree murder without much of a legal defense. Another separate observation, if you go read the link news story and the second news story that we've also linked in the text version of this post, you'll find that the trespassers were apparently not nice people and may very well have been trespassing with felonious purpose in mind. Quote, both trespassers were both out on bail for felonies when they were killed, court records show. One had been charged in October 2018 with second-degree theft, among other crimes, and the other was facing several charges, including second-degree burglary. Close quote. The fact that they were apparently not nice people, however, doesn't change the rules governing the use of force in self-defense for the homeowner, at least not by itself. All the normal conditions, the five elements of a claim of self-defense must still be met, regardless of how nice or not nice the victims of that purported use of defensive force are. Indeed, had the two men been observed actually engaged in the act of burglary, rather than speculatively merely thinking about becoming engaged in the act of burglary, if we assume the worst on their behalf, the use of deadly force might well have been warranted. Burglary is commonly treated as sufficient grounds for the use of deadly force, And of course, in that hypothetical where they're actually engaged in burglary, the unlawful conduct would actually have been occurring rather than have been merely speculative. A threat of future speculative harm or unlawful conduct will never be sufficient to justify the use of deadly force in self-defense. However, regardless of the merits or lack thereof of the person doing the threatening, at least so long as there remained some non-forcible alternatives to the person who was threatened. Also, a couple of other ancillary points on this story. First, if the homeowner had known and followed the law of self-defense recommendations for interacting with the police in the aftermath of a use-of-force event, he would likely not now be charged with two counts of first-degree murder and might still have a viable legal defense. Second, when the officers arrived in response to the homeowner's 911 call reporting the shooting, he met them at the end of the driveway while visibly armed with his pistol in a drop holster hanging against his leg. That's a pretty good way to get shot, folks. Third, when police relieved him of his gun and ammunition, it was found that he had reloaded a full magazine into his gun after emptying it into the second trespasser. And then, and this is my point here, he put the empty magazine into his mag pouch. Putting an empty mag into a mag pouch you're wearing is just poor tactical form, folks, and could eventually lead to a click when you really needed a bang. Don't forget, folks, if you like this kind of self-defense law insight, expertise, and analysis, you can always catch more of it, much of it free, at the Law of Self-Defense blog at, naturally enough, lawofselfdefense.com forward slash blog. And please, Share and like and tell your friends and family. That's really the only way we get to grow the law of self-defense community is by the efforts of folks like you who appreciate our work, sharing it with others and making them aware of it. In closing, remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Brankett with the law of self-defense. Stay safe.
There you have it for another great case of the week from Andrew Branca and Law of Self-Defense. This is another one of those cases. We highlight stories like this all the time on the podcast. People that make mistakes like this, you know, and and, uh, I was actually just thinking, Matthew, about recently here in Denver, I think it was last Friday, there was a man that uh, he's now charged with, uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure on the specific charge, but uh, he was here in Denver and he went out early in the morning, I think, to let his dog out, heard some rustling out by his car. He went, he, he, t- he took a look and saw that it, some guys breaking into his car. He went back into the house, grabbed an AR-15, went back out, uh, and says that he had his finger on the trigger and accidentally fired uh, <laughs> at some point during an altercation that happened with these guys. But then he fired again at them as they were driving away, uh, because he said he thought he saw somebody reaching and, and trying to do like like as if they were going to I don't know shoot back at him or something I don't know from the vehicle and you know it's just we got to use our we got to use our brains folks uh, it's so easy to get caught up in the heat of the moment uh, if you are not mentally fit okay uh, we talk about mindset quite a bit on a podcast it's really important and, and mindset is a host of a lot of things it's it's not only being in a right mindset defensively speaking as far as like like you're not you're not ready to go down without a fight sort of attitude right you know i'm going to fight i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to win i'm going to survive whatever it is uh that's that's an important mindset to have as well mindset as it relates to awareness and being mindful of your surroundings and and cues from people in your environment you know that might be a, a tip as to something they're about to do or something they're thinking about doing but it's also mindset as it comes to the law and understanding where you got to draw a line. And uh, there's some pretty clear lines as far as that they're clear. Usually when we're clear headed and we're sitting here talking about things, we're talking about the law. We have Andrew on, you know, on the program or whatever, and he's explaining things and you're sitting there go, yeah, that makes sense. But it's got to be ingrained so well in, into your psyche, into your mind. It's got to be a part of that mindset that you know ahead of time, okay, you've played out different scenarios in your mind, you've considered different things, and you've made the decisions ahead of time a lot of times as to how you're going to actually handle certain situations. That's how people make mistakes is when they get in a situation they're not prepared for, uh, especially mentally, and they react, and they react without really thinking through the consequences or thinking through what sometimes even common sense would dictate. And that's kind of, you know, that's what happened here is, is I mean, if you, if you, if you read the story, you go, I mean, almost all of us read the story and go, this doesn't make sense. This guy clearly shot this guy well in advance of what he might have done. Right. There was no imminent threat here. Uh, but in the moment, this guy clearly thought, I don't think he shot this guy thinking he was in the wrong doing. I think he, I think he thought he was doing what he was supposed to do, but he clearly crossed the line, Matthew. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I don't know if I have much to add outside of, um, you know, that's why we, we cover those justified saves and the what not to do um, in the podcast over and over. And a lot of the cases are similar, but you, you know, unless you think about things like this and unless you have an outside um, kind of perspective on things, 
you don't know what you don't know. And, and there are a lot of people that don't know the law. And it's really important, not so much, I mean, you may not know all the different statutes and everything, but you have to understand the basic premise of when you can use self-defense. And if you don't understand that, you are really setting yourself up for for failure in, in so many different ways. And you're taking on so much liability and responsibility that you, you just aren't ready to, to accept. It's, it's sort of like giving somebody a, you know, a, a driver's license and then having them go drive in you know, a blizzard and say, you know, you're good, you know, just, just, just get on there and, and hit the gas and, and you'll be good. And it's like, you're setting this person up for complete failure. So unfortunately this guy did made some really poor decisions um, and he's not, he's not alone. Um, so I never, I never want to see anybody do that kind of stuff and, and take somebody's life unnecessarily. So, and, and for all intents and purposes, he may have, you know, almost lost his life, not through death, but he might be locked up for a long, long time. And, and that's not where you want to be either. So, yeah, that's why these are so important. I think, you know, this, this quote that this guy you know, that shot these other guys. This quote of his is just mind-boggling to me. He says, he shot Dustin Marks in the head, and I expended the rest of my magazine into Michael White as he was scurrying back. I presumed to execute Michael White as he was reaching for something. I mean, that is just... You know, and then he also said that, you know, and this is, of course, Andrew talked about all this, but, you know, then he also told troopers that he did this because Marks, he felt, he, he said, was going to kill him eventually. Uh, so all these things are wrong, but then of course there's that whole uh, tactical error of I mean there was other tactical errors here, but of talking to police uh, and he probably shouldn't have, and he said things that he definitely shouldn't have if he even hoped to have any sort of case whatsoever. Yeah, uh, in the mindset, you know, when you were talking about him, you know, basically executing this dude and shooting him while while he couldn't substantiate a threat, it's not semantics to say, you know, we don't shoot to kill, we shoot to stop the threat. It's not semantics when somebody says, no, you know, if anybody comes near my house or tries to break in, I'm going to kill him. That's not semantics. That's that's a poor mindset to have. And we're talking about the mindset that goes along with self-defense. That is a poor mindset because that's the mindset that this guy had. And that's why he decided to continue to shoot when there was no threat. If your mindset is I'm shooting to stop the threat, that's my whole justification is to stop the threat. Then you're more likely to stop the threat and make the decision not to continue to shoot while someone's scurrying around because they might kill you someday, eventually in the future. I mean, it, it's crazy, but people yeah. continue to to argue about that point, and it's like, I, I, at a certain point, I'm just like, okay, I, I, I'm done. I can't, I can't reason with you anymore. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, Andrew is clear that he he talks about that. It's important sometimes to talk to police and talk to investigators, but it's really important to understand what you should and should not say, and how it's said. Um, and so, for that, and, and more advice on that. Go check out lawofselfdefense.com. Check out his books. Check out his videos. Great resources. Uh, all that will help us be better prepared. All right, let's move into this new story from Colorado. Uh, this is this first story is a little bit outdated because uh, it actually talks about the law 
as if it's not passed because at the time this was written, it was not yet. But it's a really great article because it highlights uh, some things about the new red flag law that was just recently signed by Governor Polis here uh, just a week or two ago now. In fact, uh, the second story that you'll see in the show notes uh, was updated as of April 12th. So about about nine days ago, this law was signed <clears throat> by Governor Polis here in Colorado. This affects me very much personally. I live here in Colorado. Jacob does as well. A lot of our team uh, concealedcarry.com lives in Colorado. So we're very uh, dis- disgruntled to see uh, how this has all gone about. Uh, and a good friend of mine, uh, Robert Butler, has uh, he, he led... Uh, pretty substantial charge of, you know, trying to talk with legislators and, you know, fight the battle really for a lot from behind the scenes, just helping educate people about what the issues actually are and what's being proposed or what was proposed and now passed in this law. So this article on MLN.com says why Colorado's red flag ERPO or extreme risk protection order bill is the most dangerous in the nation. And this makes some really strong points. Uh, first of all, this bill, uh, allows a lot of, you know, allows just about anybody. It says definition, it it talks about family or household member is included. Okay. So, you know, if it's a family or household member, they can file an ERPO against you. Right. Uh, that, you know, I, I kind of understand to a degree, right? Like one of the big drivers behind this is, uh, that, you know, domestic violence, like that's, that's a big time issue sometimes between partners and you got somebody that is mentally unhinged or is unstable, is violent, whatever, has a history of violence, has access to a gun, like, you know, but guess what? There's already provisions in place that can help prevent that from, from taking place. But here's the thing. My big concern, we've talked about this a number of times, Matthew, is about how even if you aren't actually living in the same household anymore, right? So you've split up, let's say a couple splits up and they're going through a pretty rough divorce or other breakup, uh, particularly divorce, you know, and there's kids involved, there's a lot of emotions involved and there's all this crap going on. I've been there. I've, I come from divorced parents, you know, I have a stepdad and, and I've, I've not that their divorce, my parents, it was not bad at all, but, but I know, you know, a little bit about what that could be like. And I've had friends and many of us have had friends that have gone through such similar situations where it didn't go very smoothly. And sometimes things get said about each party that's complete BS, you know, because people are upset and emotions are involved and they're trying to sway things, you know, for, uh, you know, as far as getting custody of, of children, for instance, or getting more money out of their partner, whatever it is. And so this is just, to me, is going to be, because it's become a lot easier now, the process, and and the big concern is that there's no due process, right? There's an ex parte hearing that will take place, but that means the party being talked about is not going to be there. And they have 14 days that, that that they can have their guns confiscated before they can even say anything for themselves. Here's the other thing about the Colorado law. Guns will be confiscated for 364 days, so just shy of one year, and during which time the accused only has one opportunity to ask the courts to lift the order. Uh, there's zero accountability for false accusers. The filing fee is $0. Again, see, talk about how easy it is. Keep in mind that a temporary restraining order in Colorado costs a person $97 to file. That's like 
I don't understand why this filing fee would be zero dollars because it just it just further encourages false reporting, right? There's no consequence. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. There, there, if they can prove that you were being duplicitous or lying, you know that that might be a whole other thing. But some of these things might be difficult to approve, right? When you got a dollar sign attached, well, this is gonna cost me a hundred dollars to file. Well, is it really worth it? Uh, I don't know, you know. So. Lots of concerns about this red flag law that has just been signed and, and will go into effect surprisingly not till January 1st of 2020. Sometimes a lot, I'm frankly surprised. Here's the thing, Matthew. They were touting this law, how important it was that we get this passed because of safety, right? Because of safety, because of officer safety, because they used uh, one of our local cops here that was killed just, just recently as an example, as a, as a poster boy. Uh, shame on them for doing so. Uh, by the way, uh, they used him as a, they used a dead cop as a poster boy. And particularly shame on Sheriff Spurlock. I used I used to be uh, I would say friends almost with Sheriff Spurlock and respected the man until he got on this bandwagon of going after red flag laws here in Colorado and using his own dead cop. Which I see there was I think there were other failings on that department's head be, that led to that situation that led to that fateful night you know times that this guy was reported and they they didn't do anything about it and then sheriff spurlock his whole point was he couldn't do anything and his hands were tied and I, I think that's not entirely true there's already a process in colorado if you if you if, if someone's mentally unfit mentally unstable you can place them under a m1 hold and they're going to have a 72-hour hold they're going to be evaluated and if psychologists, psychiatrists, or whatever go, yeah, there's something wrong with this person, then you can take steps to take away their guns, right? But the point is, Matthew, sorry, is that they made a big deal about how important this was because of safety. And if that's the case, why is it not going to affect till January 1st, 2020? Because yeah. a lot of the times, I'll tell you, when they passed the gun control bills several years ago, six years ago now, you know, mag capacity limits, universal background checks, that went, that stuff went into effect like two, three months later, January or July 1st. Right. But this one that's a safety-related bill where apparently people have died because this law didn't exist, it's got eight months before it's going to be put into effect. I don't know, dude, I, I could go all day long here and, and, and I'm not going to anymore. Yeah. So you've heard enough from me. <laughs> no, I, I don't have anything to add. I mean, we all know how bad these red flag laws are for the not for the intended purpose of stopping somebody from either you know committing a crime with a firearm or murder or killing themselves. That's all well and good, but we all know that these laws do not affect that end and the potential for abuse and the potential for for that to set up precedents for other rights to be stripped or or other it, it's just it's anybody looking at it objectively says yeah we all want to you know limit the the chances of somebody being killed right what do these laws do that and across the board i i haven't seen any proof that they they demonstratively work uh, it, and there's other options. A lot of times people will give you a binary option, like you either want people to die or we pass these red flag laws. And it's like, okay, no, there's, there's like a huge area in between of things that we may be able to do without 
you know, abusing people's constitutional rights. Why don't we try those first? But they set up this, this, you know, A or B uh, uh, selection. So you either look like you're, you're for murder or you're, for, you know, or you're against these, these, these laws or for these laws. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not genuine. Um, and I think, I think uh, as, I, as we're going through, you'll see when we do the state roundup that a lot of states are starting to pick up these red flag laws. And like we say, when we talk about, you know, a, a law that passes in one state, it's not so long before it could come to your state. Uh, let that kind of, you know, that seed plant in this, in this state. And then this legislation says, Oh, well, look, these, these people did it. Well, let's do it. And, and all of a sudden now you see these laws popping up all over. So just, oh, it's, it's um, happening everywhere. I mean, it's, or at least they're attempting to get these on the agenda in virtually every state house and Senate across the country. There's a few exceptions, of course, but but it is it is definitely being pushed for very aggressively. Mm-hmm. Even in yeah. states where they know they don't have a chance of getting it passed, but they're still pushing for it. Yep, you know, got to get some political points. Yep, and they know. I mean, eventually people give in, right? I mean, like they'll they'll hear something enough, they'll just cave in if if they're not if they're not set in in really um, strong in their their beliefs, right? So they know it, we'll just continue to try. We'll continue to try one way or the other. And, and um, that's what these, that's what the technique of, of, or the tactic of these gun control laws, they never start out like all the way, way to the left, you know, they start here and they say, okay, these are common sense. And then, oh, but those aren't working. So we got to do this. And no, those aren't working, but we got to add this and we got to reform this. That, I mean, California's laws haven't, didn't all appear in one time. You know what I mean? Like right. they've built and built and built and it just, it doesn't work. <laughs> yep. Yeah. For sure, brother. Well, we, we should probably move on, but uh, I'm just disgruntled about this whole situation, the way this has gone down, and the fact that there was a lot of opposition to this law, uh, but uh, our representatives didn't listen to us here in our state. Our governor did not listen to us. Uh, I mean, when you have the majority of county sheriffs in Colorado saying, this is not the right law to pass, and we already have tools in place where we can do some of these things. I mean, like we already have M1 holds. We've got other tools where we can handle these situations where we need to. Um, are there times where I, I will agree? And, and actually, t- talking with I, I have a friend that's a cop uh, that works on uh, child abuse cases. There are situations that I will admit that they're that are that are difficult. They're difficult for them to get what they need to actually um, move forward with uh, going after some of these people sometimes. Uh, but uh, but I think that those are the exception rather than the rule. And here's the other thing. We're talking about rights, right? Constitutional rights. And due process is a thing in this country, and it's really important. And when we're talking about, you know, is there a chance that we let a couple of bad guys slip through versus a chance that we potentially violate the rights of a number of people, you know, mistakenly even, I'm going to go with, we let a few bad guys slip through the cracks because that's why our justice system is set up the way it is. That's why innocent till, till proven guilty. That's why you got to have 12 jurors that say, yep, he's guilty. Right. Uh, and, and sometimes you, you get one stickler of a, of a juror that just, 
nope, nope, you know, and they end up in a hung jury or whatever, and, and a guy, you know, gets off or has to go back. You know, there's, there's just, there's reasons why we do the things that we do so that we err on the side of caution as far as not violating the rights of law-abiding American citizens. Anyway, moving on. National Review. Story about, I don't even know how you say this dude's name. South Bend Mayor Pete but. But Buttigieg, Buttigieg, I don't know. <laughs> this is this Buttigieg. is a Indiana mayor, and he's also hoping to run. For, he's run. He's he's announced he's intending to run for president for 2020 on the Democratic ticket. Uh, Pete Buddy Buddy Gig, <laughs> whatever yeah. his name is. Uh, I've heard it mentioned in the media a couple of times, just a couple of times, and I just I've forgotten how to pronounce it. But he said this. I'll let you take it from here, Matthew. Assault rifle ban should be on the table. And he's not the only Democratic presidential candidate who is talking about some major gun control, provided they get into the White House in 2020. Yeah, I mean, in here, you, I mean, we all know that this is what's going to happen, right? Like, up until the election, everybody, every Democratic nominee is going to pitch the most crazy uh, gun control laws to stand out and say, I'm you know, going to do something because I'm the one who cares and the Democrats want to see everybody die or the Republicans want to see everybody. That's what's going to happen. And, and, you know, it's not shocking. Um, but in this guy, the, the reason why I, I even put it in here is because this guy is actually like seems to have some sort of traction because he has all the intersectional things that people, you know, the Democratic Party wants in, in their candidate. Right. So he has all these different um, categories that he marks the box in. But the thing that he said that I hate and, and that I just can't when people make this this argument of authority, I can't stand it. So. Um, he talks, he says, as somebody who's very familiar with my military training with weapons of war, somebody who carried a rifle and a pistol around foreign land in order for in on order of the president, I think there are some weapons that just don't belong in our neighborhoods in peacetime in America. I don't know if he sounds like that when he says it, but here's the thing. He's taking this position of authority and say, listen to me because I was in the military and I carried guns and I know that these, these guns are military. First of all, they're not military issue, dude. Second of all, you were intelligence officer in the Navy. And I, I, frankly, I don't know what you were traveling around doing patrols in Iraq. I doubt it. Um, and so like this guy, that's what they do. They, and not just Democrats, Republicans and every, anybody trying to make it a point, um, when they don't have the actual point to make and they don't have facts to back up their, 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 their opinions, um, they take this position of authority. I was in the military, so you have to listen to me. That's, that's just bogus. Like there are people in the military that know nothing about guns. Okay. You might've been one of them, Buttigieg. Right. And so obviously, because you think semi-automatic weapons are the same as the weapons of war that you carried in foreign soil. I mean, come on, dude. It, it, just when, when you guys see this, these kinds of like techniques, um, just be aware that, that it, it really masks an, a, a, a total un, un, not under, un, like unable to understand the, the, the topic of which you're talking about. Yeah. I love the the Marine here on the podcast is going after the <laughs> Naval Intelligence Officer. <laughs> I mean, it's an oxymoron, right? Like Intelligence Officer, like if you're in the military, you know, dude, like, no, my wife's in the Navy, so. But. True, true. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is a frustrating thing. I, you know, we see this from a number of veterans. Uh, I've seen, you know, more and more of this. It seems like it's becoming more of a thing where you get these veterans that run for political office and uh, they, 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 I mean, I get it because every veteran that runs for political office uses the fact that they're a veteran, right? Um, but to use the stance that, and it's a stupid argument that I carried this weapon of war overseas and this weapon of war over here is being, you know, it's, it's, it's on the streets in America and it's not the same weapon. Uh, it's not a lot different as far as like, they definitely specs wise look very similar, same length of barrel, same barrel twist, same ammunition that's used, uh, same magazines can be used, but there's a big difference between a semi-automatic only and a select fire that is capable of uh, fully automatic or three round burst. Uh, big difference. Um, so anyway, I, I it just drives me up a wall when I hear some of these anti-gun leaning, you know, democrat typically democratic candidates that use language like that. It's the same gun as what I carried in Iraq. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, buddy. Uh, you, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. We also have this democratic uh, presidential candidate, uh, <laughs> Eric Swalwell. And he's oh. he's from he, you know he's he's a congressman from California. In fact, uh, Mark, I expect some comments here, Mark, on uh, Facebook because he lives in California. Uh, I'm not sure if he's your representative, but uh, he has been making some pretty, uh, yeah, he's been making some pretty strong comments uh, lately <laughs> about gun control. And uh, basically, he said that he is willing, like he, he's talking. So this came in in you know the aftermath of the New Zealand mosque shooting, right? So he's on TV being interviewed about guns, gun control, all this stuff, right? And he's talking like, look, these guys took action in New Zealand, like right away. They, they boom, got to work and required these, I mean, basically banned these guns and requiring them to be confiscated. Guess what? I think I just saw last week a news story that out of thousands of these a, you know, semi-automatic rifles, AR-style rifles, like what the shooter there used uh, in New Zealand, out of thousands and thousands of them in, in New Zealand, like 37 have been surrendered so far. 37, right? Now, I'm not saying, like, I'm not advocating that we should, like, um, blatantly disregard the law if a certain law is passed. Uh, I won't go that far, but... Uh, but this is true of just about any major gun confiscation that's ever occurred. Like in Australia, same thing. There's tons. They figure there's still only a fraction. I think I saw an estimate once that they think only a third of all the guns that were supposed to be turned in in the Australian confiscation were turned in. So, you know, folks burying those in their backyards or something. I don't know. They're out there somewhere. Uh, New Zealand, again, like thousands of these and a whopping, you know, three dozen or so have been turned in. It's crazy, man. Right? And so, anyway, so what does Eric Swalwell say to that? We should do something similar, he says. We should do a, a, and it should be a government buyback, and we'll buy back all of these assault weapons from the people. And uh, those that don't comply, his response, uh, well, we should put them in jail. Yeah. This guy's a complete buffoon. I mean, any 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 time I've ever seen an interview with this guy, it doesn't matter what he's talking about. He's totally inept. The guy is a ridiculous buffoon. 
he's never going to get elected, obviously. But like, he's the one who said, you know, commented on Twitter or something like, I, I, I don't think because somebody said about, you know, you won't take our firearms because, you know, we stand up, we'll stand up against a tyrannical government. He said, well, the, the government has nukes. So I, I think we'll win that one or something along those lines, basically saying, you know, we have more, we have bigger weapons than you guys. So the guy's an idiot. <laughs> but like, it, you know, he never the, the thing is, is it's another it's another um, technique. And you'll see it when you see these debates and things that when they press him on, like, so you really think that you want that jailing Americans for not following this law, uh, it, you know, that Americans have never done anything wrong. They're they're practicing their Second Amendment, a, a constitutionally protected right. You believe like at a stroke of an hour if they don't uh, abide by your law that you will, you will jail them. And he's, and they'll, they'll dodge it and say like, well, we have these other options. We have like, you can lock them up at a gun club that they have to drive 45 or 55 minutes to get to, you know, or two hours or whatever, or there might not be one in the whole state because we'll outlaw them or, or we'll buy them back. Okay. Well, what about the people that don't want to do that? What are you going to do with those guys? Well, well, yeah, we'll arrest those guys because they're violating law. Okay. That's going to be like 99% of the guys, right. Or gals too. So it's stupid, man. It's like you you've thought this uh, you've thought this out, right? Right? Uh, presidential nominee Eric Swalwell, like you're going to send what like Gestapo armies to to go arrest all the all the parents. What do you do with like the kids that are left over? All those got you know kids going to uh, you know the the system. What are you going to do? You're going to these are the same people that don't want to you know incarcerate high level drug dealers, but they want to incarcerate somebody who's done nothing wrong and is sitting in their own, uh, own house with an AR 15 that they don't want to give up to the federal government. This, this is the mentality of this guy. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's the attitude. I mean, that's, that's where they want us to go eventually is for all out confiscation and uh, to criminalize and make us gun owners look crazy and, and insane. <laughs> and like, we're bad people. We should be jailed. Right. So now, recently, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, in, in blind or in blatant violation of state law, uh, passed a ban on, on carrying magazines low, capable of holding more than 10 rounds. All right. And they've also uh, come out with this uh, assault weapon ban, too, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, specifically relating to magazines, with support from the NRA, gun owners challenge, have challenged Pittsburgh's ban on publicly carrying loaded magazines uh, with capacities of greater than 10 rounds. Uh, just, just a few days ago, last week, they filed a motion seeking a preliminary injunction similar to, well, you know, it's kind of gone down a similar road to California as far as, you know, we got that ruling from the from the federal judge that uh, in California that said, nope, this is, this is an unconstitutional law. People went crazy, bought a whole bunch of mags. <laughs> uh, that's, that's now come to an end. We'll talk about that briefly here in a minute. But uh, uh, anyway, so they have filed for a preliminary injunction for, against uh, this new uh, law in Pittsburgh. So uh, we'll see how that goes and where it ends up. But, uh, you know, the amazing thing is that Pittsburgh has uh, – the, the, they've preempted the state. They've preempted state law, and and Pennsylvania has a preemption statute, mm-hmm. like a lot of states do. So it's just remarkable to me that they think they they're going to be able to get away with this. Now, it's remarkable because I think this should not be able to happen. But at the same time, Denver has preempted the state here in Colorado for a long time, and they've gotten away with it. 
So, yeah, so much for preemption statutes. I've talked about that before. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll see how this goes. All right. Next story. Senate bill seeks to bring freedom back to banking. And we covered this, I think, last month or kind of mentioned that, hey, this is coming or, or they're talking about this. So Senators Kevin Kramer of North Dakota and John Kennedy from Louisiana have introduced now officially the Freedom Financing Act, Senate Bill 821. And the, this is to combat this, uh, seems to almost be like a movement of sorts where financial institutions are coming down hard on firearm industry-related businesses, uh, trying to make it difficult for them to do business, to, to, to bank, to get credit, to take out loans, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, that it's, it's a real thing, guys. Like I've seen it from financial institutions where, I mean, it's sometimes even in the business that we're in. We don't, we don't actually, concealedcarry.com, we don't actually touch guns and sell guns and stuff to people, right? We don't actually sell anything that violates policy for all, pretty much any of these institutions. But just recently, yeah. I've come across some stuff where, you know, it, it, there's, there's businesses that won't do business with a company like concealedcarry.com. Mm-hmm. Because we are, you know, kind of icky, <laughs> high risk as they perceive it. Apparently, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and what I like, kudos to to them for not just like pointing it out and being like, "Oh, this is wrong," but actually saying like, "Dude, you you got you banks, you got bailed out by taxpayers, the same taxpayers mm-hmm. that you are trying to now, you know." Uh, push off to the side for doing something that is completely legal. They've committed no crime. You've you committed such poor banking practices. If they weren't criminal, they were completely idiotic, right? And and so so you guys could save your butts. The taxpayers put money in so your banks wouldn't go under and all the loans wouldn't you know uh, go under. So. Now you're going to turn around and stab them in the back and say, you, you guys are no good. We're not going to deal with you because, you know, you're too high risk. You guys are the high risk. You don't know what you're doing, right? Like we wouldn't have to bail you out if you knew what you were doing. So these people are, it, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to create legislation that says like, no banks, you can't discriminate against people for doing something that is not against the law. Like it, it I, I don't know. It, it, it's unfortunate because you and you said like okay well right now there's you know we don't do anything uh, concealedcarry.com doesn't do anything that would like prohibit these uh, businesses uh, banks from doing business but I, I said yet because that's their own policies I mean there there's no like legal standard it's like today you know it's you only have to you know we won't do businesses with cell firearms well tomorrow it's like we won't do business with uh, businesses that you know sell a magazine or, you know, have a picture of a gun on their webpage or whatever stupid, you know, thought process that comes up. So if you're a private business and you're beholden to stakeholders and they say, we don't want to do business with this company. Okay. I mean, as long as it's not violating, you know, some federal law or, 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 uh, you know, some civil violation, but like you're, you're, you're beholden to the taxpayer, dude. Like you yep. don't get the right to 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 pick and choose, um, so so we'll see where this law goes. Because I mean, honestly, it's probably uh, probably not going to get anywhere. Like it won't get through the yeah. house. I'm pretty sure. But I, I'm glad to see them. You know, at least pushing for this because I I, I think this is I, I 
you know, when you're talking about legitimate, lawful businesses and business owners, you know, operating in an industry that's not violating any laws whatsoever. It's not like it, people, I've, I've heard some comments on social media trying to compare it to marijuana businesses, <laughs> right? Uh, where, you know, marijuana b- businesses can't do certain things financially, right? They, they can't operate with, with banks, can't get loans, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, it's not even the same thing because like that's a an illegal business, you know, from the federal standpoint of things, and in many states still is. Guns, hello, Second Amendment? <laughs> so we shouldn't even have to have a law like this, but, but that's how these senators feel is to introduce the Freedom Financing Act that would basically force uh, banks to, they, they can't discriminate against firearm-related businesses that are operating legally. So uh, kudos to them. I don't know. I, I'm not big on forcing even businesses to do certain things, but where it comes into, you know, the second amendment like this, especially with financial institutions, which are regulated by the government. So it's a little bit different than some other things that people might equate it to. California federal court says, or federal court stays large capacity magazine ruling effective Friday at 5 PM. This is several weeks old. Of course we know we're only doing the legislative stories once a month. So we're just talking about real quick, probably the bigger news story though, Matthew, is we had the federal court ruling that said this magazine capacity law in, in California is a bunch of baloney, okay? So basically that federal ruling struck down the magazine capacity limit law in California. And then a few days later like, oh, actually okay, we're we're going <laughs> to we're going to put it you know, we're going to uh, have an injunction, you know, put in place at Friday at 5 p.m., all right? So if you can order your mags by Friday 5 p.m., you're, you're good. So until, it, you know, until this, this lawsuit, federal lawsuit, you know, continues on up the chain, hopefully, um, yeah, that's kind of where it stands. So here's the crazy thing. Here's, this is what I was saying. The bigger story should be Matthew, and I saw that Mark had commented already that there was over a million magazines sold in just a matter of days to <laughs> California re- residents while they were technically legal able, legally able to do so. Pretty cool. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Think of, I mean, I just, I don't understand how um, people don't like legislators there see like, okay, a million new magazines that would be illegal just came into the state. Even if you pass the law, you still now have a, a million more magazines added to the what tens of millions that were already there. And so like, it's, it's, I I just don't understand like how the mentality of these legislators work. Like I just, it's, it's hard for me to understand how they think that that's what the people want, you know, and and maybe they do in California, maybe they do in these States, but I, I I sincerely, I seriously think that they don't. Um, I think that, we've kind of been um, lax in in standing up against some of these bills and, and thinking that, oh, they won't do this. They won't do that. We have preemption law or we have this or that. And, and you know, we become uh, complacent. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's how a lot of these, these laws come into, come into effect. Yeah. You know? Yep. Cool. I mean, good, good for our Californians that uh, were able to take advantage of, uh, 
that temporary opportunity to replenish the stockpiles. <laughs> Comment from Mark uh, here on Facebook. He says, I think we made Brunel's balance sheet for the year. <laughs> yeah. it, you know what else is kind of cool is like the innovation that comes out of like when, when one of these laws in California, you know, the bullet button and all this stuff. And, and I saw like um, they had, and these have been out for a long time, but it was just funny, the timing of it. They said like, okay, well, if they ban it, they had like a 10 round mag, 10 round AR mag and a 10 round AR mag and the base plates, you know, you take off the base plate, slide in the base plate that joins the two. So you have like a 10 round mag, you drop it, you flip it over and insert it the other way. So it's like you have a 20 round mag, but it's legal because it doesn't, it's actually two mags joined together. It's yeah. just, it's funny how like the innovation comes about. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's uh, kind of the wrap-up of our main stories here. So it brings us towards the end of the program. And I had a really interesting suggestion from Sean, who, you know, we talked about, what, what do we call this uh, this rapid-fire segment, Matthew? And he he proposed knowledge reload. And I thought, well, it's that's pretty cool. I like the idea. I like the concept. But I don't know if we're sharing a lot of knowledge per se, you know, more just like current events and legislative updates sort of things. So I thought maybe we call it legislative reload. I don't know. So nice. for today, in honor of Sean, we're going to call this segment until we decide, make a more firm decision. Uh, this is going to be legislative reload. All right. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Rapid fire. All right. So, you know, to, to highlight the fact that we're going to try to cover a whole bunch of stories in rapid fire fashion, it could be legislative speed reload. Mm, nice. <laughs> An administrative reload, right? <laughs> All right. So uh, let's just kind of take turns going down these really quick, Matthew. Uh, first up, Utah. Governor signs stand your ground bill into law. This is big news, actually. You know, Utah uh, now officially, I mean, Utah's kind of operated sort of in this realm of sort of stand your ground, you know, but they just basically went to a very hard stand your ground bill or law like California or not California, Florida. So pretty cool stuff uh, seeing even in a state like Utah where laws are already pretty good, but there are some, there's some weird things with gun laws and self-defense laws in Utah. I mean, for instance, if you don't have a permit, you can carry a gun openly but if you carry a gun openly without a permit in Utah, you can't have a round chambered. And if you carry a revolver openly without a permit, you you can't ha- you can't have two chambers, two two <laughs> chambers of the cylinder loaded because the way they defined it, it's it's insane to me. Is it it has to take like two actions in order for that gun to fire around. So in the case of a double action revolver where you, you just pr- press the trigger twice, like that's why you got to have two chambers unloaded <laughs> if you're going to carry openly without a permit. It's just weird to me. Like, okay, Utah, that's the next law you got to get rid of because that law is dumb. But anyway, Utah becomes a hard stand your ground state. Congrats to Utah. What's next, Matthew? Beautiful. Um, Indiana, uh, self-defense law is going to head to the governor's desk. It's likely to be signed. And that law, in, in, in essence, provides civil immunity in justified use of force cases. So um, kind of gives you immunity from being sued after the fact. If you, know, you were found that you acted in lawful self-defense, um, you don't have to run the risk of you know, losing your house after the fact because somebody 
seize the you know ability to uh, to play on the heartstrings and sue you for for all you have. So um, probably going to be signed into law, but still uh, has ha- just passed the House and the Senate. So it's heading to the governor's desk. Sweet. Yeah. Less sweet, Hawaii. Senate is to vote on anti-gun bills, which is to raise the minimum purchase age of firearms, uh, rifles in particular, to 21, and also a red flag law of their lo- of their own. No surprise there from Hawaii, but no. uh, there you go. By the way, all these rapid fire, these legislative speed reload stories, uh, not going into a ton of detail, and you can see all of these stories listed in the show notes. So if you want to go read this stuff for yourself, just go to today's episode show notes, concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 313, and you'll see all new stories that we covered in the show today. All right, next up. Uh, We're going over to Maine, where the state and local government committee considers weakening preemption law. Um, We talked about preemption law a couple times during the the, uh, episode today, um, which would basically let cities or municipalities override state law in regards to uh, firearm laws. Um, And so right now it's only in uh, it's only in a hearing um, committee form, but um, stay tuned for that. And the judiciary committee holds hearing on red flag firearm seizure bill. So that's the, these committees, you know, that's the genesis of these bills where they kind of work it out. And then they say, okay, do we have enough votes to bring it to the, you know, the house or the Senate floor? And they say, yeah, let's do it. And so these are the, you know, the roots of these, these crazy bills and stuff. So, uh, Maine working on some red flag seizure bills. Yep. Speaking of Maine, I'm going to go ahead. It's, there's, Main listed here twice, Matthew, and so I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead to the other main oh, story right. because we're talking about Maine, and this is a good news thing, and uh, that is that Governor Janet Mills recently signed into law an act to protect shooting ranges, and uh, this protects shooting ranges by allowing the discharge of a firearm on a sport shooting range that is within 100 yards of a building if the sport shooting range was in regular operation prior to the erection of the building. Uh, so I don't even know exactly what all that means because I'm not familiar with all the nuances of Maine state law, but that sounds like it's probably a good thing. All right. So next up, uh, Alabama. Alabama. Yep. So Alabama, the house judiciary committee, uh, is starting to, uh, here's a bill, um, the gun violence restraining order bill, similar to the red flags. And it's just a different name. Um, so that's in the works in Alabama. Senate may vote on standard grind, ground bill next week. Um, and they will, the Alabama Senate will vote on constitutional carry next week. So I'm um, not sure, cool. you know, the, the, the balance of power there, but um, two big, big bills that, yeah. uh, that are coming up. Huge stuff, man. Good stuff. North Dakota. Governor signs multiple pro-gun bills into law. Permitless carry and vehicle good to go. Binary triggers are not machine guns and prohibits tax dollars to fund gun buybacks. All three of those sound like really good things. Uh, House Bill 1042 um, removes a requirement to basically, so permitless carry does cover and allow concealed carry in a motor vehicle. All right. That's, I think that's great. That brings it kind of in line with how it is here in Colorado, where you don't need a permit actually to carry concealed in a vehicle. Colorado kind of has like a pseudo constitutional carry, at least in a few contexts. House Bill 1308 uh, specifically says that binary triggers don't fall under the, under the definition, at least in the state, as a machine gun. And House Bill 1381, again, prohibits taxpayer dollars from being used to fund 
confiscation or gun buyback programs. So cool stuff. Next up. Yep. Nevada, uh, Nevada similar to um, uh, Maine, they are going to, um, they're voting to weaken their preemption law that they have, um, which would again, allow, you know, municipalities to make their own laws. And that puts the legal gun owner in a predicament when they're passing through a jurisdiction and they don't know that that law or that, you know, county or that little city says, well, you can't possess a firearm. You're, you know, this or that, um, all of a sudden you're a criminal and you don't even know it. So, um, that's why these preemption laws exist. And that's why when they weaken them or change them or violate them, it's very bad for the gun owner, the legal gun owner. And finally, now on to Texas. House, the House passes there two pro-gun bills. One is a protection for concealed carriers on private property, and the other is a tenant-landlord dispute over transporting firearms to and from vehicles. Now, that's really interesting there. Uh, but uh, it says here that there's the, the House Bill 121 provides a legal defense for license to carry holders. That's what they call permits in Texas, LTC, license to carry, who unknowingly enter establishments with 30-06 or 30-07 signs uh, as long as they promptly leave when verbally informed of the policy. I think that's good because is it possible to miss the fact that there's something posted? And by the way, in Texas, Texas is unique from a lot of other states in that they have very specific posting requirements for businesses that do not, or private property that does not want to ha- have someone carrying a gun onto their, onto their property. Uh, and you actually are in violation of law. It actually ha- carries the force of law, the weight of law, if you violate you know, a posting like that. But this would give a little bit of an out. I think that's a good thing because people can make mistakes, and I think this is a really silly thing to make them, you know, to to really prosecute people over. House Bill three hundred two again protects the rights of of tenants to possess lawfully owned firearms and ammunition in residential units and to transport them directly en route between their personal vehicles and their apartments or condominiums. So basically, not allowing a landlord, an apartment owner, or a condominium owner to prevent you from being able to own or possess a firearm. I think that's also a good thing. All right. Anyway, cool. So that is a wrap for our legislative speed reload today. Uh, Cool stuff. That's a lot of stories to cover in a really, really short amount of time. We're probably a little bit over time today as far as our target length of this episode. So we're going to move right along, Matthew, and jump into this week's weekly giveaway. What do you say? I say let's do it. Okay. So I have here a list of all entrants into this week's giveaway. I am excited because I see some names here that I recognize and some are here watching today. So I'm hoping we pick somebody that is here, but if not, that's okay too, because this is a giveaway open and available for everybody. And fortunately, some of these folks did a really good job this, this week of getting extra entries because they got their friends and family to sign up as well. So, uh, Mark, you know who you are, not the, well, there's a couple of marks that watch regularly. One of you did a really good job. You got like six entries. That is awesome. Casey did awesome. Uh, Mikhail, wow. He got a full 10 entries. Good on you, buddy. <laughs> so good stuff, folks. If you want to be a part, if you want to be a part of the weekly giveaway, make sure you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and make sure you sign up every week. It's a revolving door. Okay. Each week that resets from Tuesday through the following Monday night, midnight, the, the giveaway resets. So you got to make sure you re-sign up every week to make sure you're part of the entry and you're going to get, you're going to get more entries 
if you share with your friends and family and they sign up as well. Now, I know some comments have come, come up. I've seen, a, I, got, I got a question from a listener last week or maybe two weeks ago now saying they weren't seeing that they were being credited the extra signups. They weren't seeing it for whatever reason on their side, but I verified and the technology seems to be working very well on the back end. So uh, as far as we can tell, every every time that somebody's asked about, well, did I get my extra entries? Because I know my friend, my my mom, my dad, my brother, whoever signed up as well, and I'll go and check, and and the the entries are there. So, so anyway, good stuff. So the time is now to choose this week's winner of a pretty big prize, one of the biggest we've actually done uh, in a while uh, since we gave away a gun, actually. So this is a MSRP $175 Inforce WML light, 400 lumen tactical light. Okay. Works great to mount onto like a carbine rifle, like an AR. Okay. So big prize, folks. You guys ready? Are you ready? Those that are live, those that aren't mm-hmm. live, you're ready because you are. Here we go. <laughs> This week's winner of the Enforce WML Lite, Michael. It's a very common name. Last name starts with D. And yes, we're respectful of people's privacy that enter into this giveaway. Uh, so Michael D, he has an email address that says MD at the end, right before at gmail.com. Okay, Michael D, MD at gmail.com. Yeah, there's a lot more before that MD, just so you know. But uh Michael, if you're listening, you are the winner of this week's Enforce WML giveaway. Congrats to you, Michael. Awesome. That is great. I'm sorry those of you that did not win, but uh, you'll have a chance next week. Make sure you sign up. Uh, the Next week's giveaway is going to be for a 2A Defenders t-shirt from concealedcarry.com. I've been wearing it recently. You've maybe seen it online or on some of our posts. Uh, Jacob as well. Just a cool shirt. Now, funny story. I'll tell you a funny story about this shirt. I uh, I was wearing my two A Defender shirt, uh, and it says Concealed Carry Alumni on it as well. And I was wearing that when I went to the range last week uh, with Elky, who is who's a good friend and, and listener of the podcast. And uh, so I went to the range, and I'm wearing you know I'm like, hey, I'm going to the range. I don't care about being covert necessarily. Like, yeah, maybe not you know the best thing. To, like, I obviously have to leave my house, hop in my truck, you know go out in public somewhere, but I'm just going to the range, right? So I'm totally wearing Concealed Carry Alumni 2A Defender shirt. After I went to the range, I thought, you know, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go over to Firehouse Subs, which is a favorite of mine because because they, they, they support first responders in a big way, and uh, I like their food. And I hadn't been there in a while. so And, the, and it's right there by the range. Uh, so I, I, I leave Bristol Cone Shooting Center, and I just go down. It's like not even a half block. I hit the firehouse. I walk in, and I kid you not, this kid that takes my order, first thing out of his mouth is, doesn't wearing a shirt like that defeat the purpose? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh my goodness, you just called me out, little punk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say little punk. He was was a young kid. I mean, he could have been more than 20. And uh, he just hit me up. It just, boom. I was like, oh man. Like, I was like, yeah. I'm like, this is my company. This is our brand. You know, I'm out. I'm out promoting it. I was just at the range. He's like, oh, okay, that's cool, man. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 
There we go. Congrats, Michael, again on winning the uh, Enforce WML. Folks, remember to support uh, the podcast by giving some love to uh, Ammo Supply Warehouse, ammosupplywarehouse.com. Good people, great service, great ammo. Uh, two warehouses on the east and west coasts ship very quickly, no matter where you are. You can get ammo, you know, very, very quickly from ammosupplywarehouse.com and excellent prices too. And then also the Vehicle Fire Tactics course, uh, either the DVD version or the online video course, concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT. Use coupon code this week, road trip 2019, save a crap load, plus get bonus legal boundaries by state book. All right. Good stuff. We're going to let you go. Matthew, thanks yes, for doing this with me today. Thank you, and thank everybody uh, for you know uh, listening and making the show so so great. Yep. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.